Some of you guys are far more advanced than I am. I realize that and I know that for a fact. But one of the things that I have the most difficult with in today's day and age are the electronic books. I am really attracted to electronic books because they're cheaper and I like to save the money, so that's exciting. There have been a couple of electronic books that I've purchased because I could have them within the moment. So, like I look and there's an electronic book that I'm looking for that I want and I'll order it and, and have it immediately downloaded onto my iPad or download onto my computer. And that's kind of an exciting thing to have it instantaneously like that. But yet in the same sense, I don't really like it. There's something about just feeling it in my hands, being able to write on it, being able to smell it, being able to fold the page, uh, being able to see it set there. I don't know. I, I just like having the hard copy. I don't, don't mind the electronic copy. Uh, oftentimes I study scripture just on my computer and from that, but there's just something about that hard copy. Even with my computer and, and studying, I'll grab my old Bible because it just falls open to the pages and I know right where it's at. It's on the left-hand side, halfway down, it's highlighted in green, so I know where it's at. So I just like that kind of hard copy of things. And some people just live and die by the electronic book, but not, not a fan uh, this morning we continue looking at God's marriage blueprint. And I shared with you about the new modern way of reading. But you know, as we look at God's plan and as we look at God's design for marriage, it's just hard to beat the original. It's just hard to overlook God's original blueprint. And that's what we want to continue looking at is that original blueprint we were looking last week, we started looking last week at the walls that hold up marriage. And we saw them listed for us in Ephesians 5.33. And if you're not open there this morning, I invite you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. That is the verse that we've been focusing on. That's the verse that we want to look at as we think about this passage, as we think about this topic. Ephesians 5.33 says this, However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, we began talking last week about how this passage contains two load-bearing walls for the structure we call marriage. The first load-bearing wall we looked at last week, and it's called Husbands, Love Your Wives. And this morning, we want to take a look at the second load-bearing wall, and this load-bearing wall is called Wives, Respect your husbands. And as we look at these two things, these are the two things, these are the two load-bearing walls that hold up the rest of the structure of marriage. And when these two walls are, are not able to stand strong, when these two walls kind of become wobbly, then the rest of the marriage structure becomes wobbly uh, as well. And so our effort in looking at these two walls is to reinforce those walls in our own marriages and to encourage us in our marriages that these walls would be reinforced. Now, as we look at this topic of wives respect your husbands, there's two headings that we want to look at. The first one is respect, and we use that with a question mark because that is a difficult word for us to use in today's society. And the second one we want to look at is responsibility. And as I was thinking about that, I had to put a question mark there. Because 
Responsibility is something that we often don't like as well in today's society. It is much easier for us to blame somebody else, especially in marriage. It's easier for us to blame someone else. And so we want to look at this thought of responsibility as well. So that's where we're going to be this morning. That's what we're going to dive in and look at. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer before we begin, though. Great God in heaven, we're thankful that you are the great God in heaven, that there is no other. Lord, as we pause our hearts and our minds today, as we think about this topic of your marriage blueprint, I pray that you would just continue to solidify it in our minds and in our hearts what your blueprint is. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue this study this morning, that our hearts and minds would be open to what you have for us. Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, that your word would be open to us that we would drink in what your word has for us today, applying it to our hearts, applying it to our souls, applying it to our marriages. So, Father, just take my mind and my heart and my tongue. Allow me to share what you'd have us to hear. I pray I wouldn't share anything more. I pray I wouldn't share anything less either. And I pray, Lord, that when we leave here this morning, that we'll be able to say we've heard from you, not the ramblings of some man, but that we've heard from you. And so, Lord, let your Holy Spirit... Speak to our hearts this morning. We pray all of these things in your Son's holy and precious and perfect name. Amen. Now, as we begin this and and move through this thought of wives, respect your husbands, we want to, first of all, look at this thought of respect and kind of think about this word respect here. As we look at verse 33 here, We see the two elements that are required here, love and respect. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Last week we looked at this verse as well, and we focused in on the thought of of husbands loving their wives. And we talked about how this instruction is to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. But we don't see anything here about wives, love your husbands. And it's kind of a shocking thing that Paul wouldn't instruct our wives to love their husbands. That just doesn't make any sense. But then when we step back and we look at it, we see that women are more naturally loving than what men are. This emphasis is something that's directed towards men because we need to hear that. Men are not usually the most loving in the couple. Usually the men are the ones who are, don't show emotions. They don't have that connection that women have. So Paul is writing this to men and says, Men, husbands, love your wives. That's the most essential thing that your wife needs, is to know that she is loved. And notice what it says after that. Let the wife see that she respects her husbands. We don't see anything here about husbands respect your wives. We just see women, wives, respect your husbands. And as we think about that, this is the essential thing for husbands. Just as love is essential for wives, respect is that essential element for husbands. Husbands need to know that they have the respect of their wife. It's not mentioned because men, it's natural for us. As we think about being teenagers, as you think about hanging around teenagers, disrespect is probably the leading cause of teenage brawls. Because there's something about men, there's something about the way that we as men are wired that we need respect. 
And disrespect is offensive to men. And so as we look at this, as we think about this, this is that instruction that is given to women, given to wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Respect is something that is needed by men. Just as love is something that is, re- is needed by women, respect is something that is needed by men. It's the way we're wired. It's the way that God has designed us. Now, as we think about this respect, there's another word we want to combine with this, and it's called unconditional respect. There is a recognition of a need for husbands to be unconditional in their love for their wives. And even as we think about unconditional love, sometimes that's kind of a, a difficult thing for us to think about because we want to be in that where, you know, I'll give her love and she earns love. But then when we make the jump to unconditional love, we can, you know, we can kind of agree with that. Okay, it's a stretch, but I can see where that's coming from. But as we think about respect, respect is something that's also unconditional. Respect is something that should be unconditional. And this really blows us away as we think about this. As we, and this is an idea that we struggle with. It's easy for, for us as we look at this, it's easy for men to grab this and to weaponize this in their marriages. And this can also be something that makes our wives uneasy as we think about this. Boy, I just don't, I just don't know about this. What's going to, what's going to happen if, if, if this happens? Husbands who have goodwill towards their wives are not seeking to tear down their wives. Remember, just as husbands are to love your wives as a, is a weight-bearing wall, wives... Respecting your husbands is also a weight-bearing wall. I've mentioned to you before about the love, about the book called Love and Respect. And in that book, he describes this as air hoses. We each need an air hose, and we each can only breathe through this air hose. And once our air hose is bent or once our air hose is taken away, it's difficult for us to breathe. And the illustration that he uses is this love and respect. Wives, when our husbands give us love, we can breathe. That's the air that we need is that love. And husbands, our air is respect. And as wives give us respect, we're able to breathe. And there's a cycle here. When a wife feels loved, she will show respect. And when a man feels respected... He will show love. And this is the cycle. This is the energizing cycle that goes on. And as we look at Ephesians 5.33, this is what Paul is telling us. This essential cycle needs to be in our marriages. Husbands, we need to love our wives. That's that supporting wall. Wives, we need to respect our husbands. That's the other supporting wall. And when we have those two walls when we are willing to buy into that and and fall into those and see the importance of those two walls, then the structure of our marriage is going to stand strong. So often we say, hey, if my spouse will do it, then I'll do it. But they've got to go first because I know what's going to happen if I don't. But it doesn't work that way. When we allow our our spouse to breathe, 
then our spouse is going to help us to breathe. And it is a cycle that will take place. But we have to step out and we have to trust the cycle. And so that is this idea of respect. That's this idea of unconditional respect. Now, I want to talk about this idea of responsibility. What is this idea of responsibility as we look at this? Uh, look up with me at Ephesians 5.23. Ephesians 5.23, it's right there. It happens to be in the same chapter as Ephesians 5.33. It's kind of an amazing, it's kind of amazing how it works. It's just 10 verses up. But husbands have authority in the home. And this authority is given to husbands. Husbands are given the authority in the home. Ephesians 5.23 says this, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. God has given this authority to mankind. God has given this authority to men to be the heads of of their home. That's the God-given authority. As we think about God's design, we talked about God's design for the floor plan, all right? We saw how that floor plan works, and we look at that, and we, we can see the importance of that floor plan. And as we think about God's design here, sometimes this thought of male leadership in the home, sometimes that gives us wobbly knees. Sometimes that, that doesn't sit too well with us. But we need to remind ourselves that this is God's design, that God is the one who's given this authority to the husband. Now, as we think about this, husbands have a responsibility. Husbands have a responsibility. This leadership position that we have comes with a great amount of res responsibility. Uh, remember that one theologian, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uncle Ben. Remember Uncle Ben in Spider-Man? He says, with great power comes great responsibility. That's what Uncle Ben told Spider-Man, whatever his name is. I almost said Clark Kent, but I know that's a different one. So, whatever. But uh, that's what Ben told him when he realized that he had spider powers. With great power comes great responsibility. Husbands, as leaders of the home, we've been given great power. But with that great power comes great responsibility. Husbands, we are not the sole authority. In our home, we are not the sole authority. We have to remember that husbands, we have that authority by God. We are under the authority of Christ. This is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So we see a whole structure here, don't we? We see God the Son being submissive to God the Father, placing himself under God the Father. Uh, as, as men, as husbands, we are under Christ, and as wives, they are under the authority of man. But we are, not the man, we are not the big boss. That's, that's not us. When I worked for Schwann's, we had a whole system of pecking order. We had a, a regional manager, we had a division manager, we had a sales manager, and then there was me. So my boss had a boss who had a boss who had a boss who had a boss who was Marvin Schwann. That's the way it works, and we understand the structure of that.
And that's the structure that's here. Men have been given this authority, but we are not the boss. We are not the only ones. Great care must be taken in how we as husbands lead because we are under the authority of Christ. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 7, or 1 Peter, sorry. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wives cannot be dismissed as because they're the weaker sex. They are equal heirs. Even though as men we're leaders, we have that responsibility, we can't dismiss them. This needs to be recognized. It's our responsibility. Now, as we think about the husband's responsibility, there's also a wife's responsibility as well. This is in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, when we throw that word submit out there, that's kind of a a tough word for us to think about. Uh, It almost carries a negative term with it as we think about it. And especially in our society, it's seen as a sexist or a degrading term. But when we look at God's design, when we see the design that God has given marriage, it's important that we recognize that it's not a sexist term. We must recognize that it's not a degrading term. In fact, we see this as a picture of submission. We see this picture of submission within the Godhead itself. This is 1 Corinthians 11.3. And it says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. So even in the Godhead, there's this, there's this recognition of order. And as we think about order, God is a God of order. God has a design, and God makes sure that that order is in place. And as we think about marriage, that is a place where we see this order laid out. God, God the Son, man, wife, children. This is the pecking order. This is the order that God has designed. This is the order that God has laid out. This idea of submission, submitting, uh, this term is actually a military term. And it means to place yourself under in an orderly fashion. In an orderly fashion. Uh, This phrase, if it's taken out of context, has caused husbands to repress their wives. It's caused husbands to abuse their wives and be abusive to their wives. Uh, It's caused wives to be resentful. This is one of those terms and one of those phrases that even unsaved husbands know. It's crazy. The only piece of scripture they know is this idea, is is this thought. And it's often applied out of context. As we look at Ephesians 5, and we talked about this the last time we were together. As we look at Ephesians 5, Paul is writing to the church, and he speaks to the church about being spirit-controlled. He speaks to the church about walking in fellowship with Christ, walking under the control of the Holy Spirit. And when we walk 
under the control of the Holy Spirit as husbands. We're walking in a way that's obedient to God. And we're going to be the leader that we need to be. And wives, when we're walking in accordance with the Holy Spirit, when we're walking with Him, walking controlled by Him, then we're going to submit in a much easier way than we would without the Holy Spirit. Because by the flesh, it is a difficult thing to do. This instruction, notice, is for the wives. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. This is not up to the husband to make your wife submit. This is not up to the husband. The husband is not commanded to put his wife into subjection. This is something that the wife is to do. By submitting, the wife is not agreeing to be inferior. Sometimes we think about submitting, and we think about that as something that's being inferior. That's not the case. Society speaks of submitting as if it's something of being a matter of weakness. But actually, it takes more strength to submit. It takes more strength to be willing to follow someone else than it does to break out on our own. I want you to notice something else here. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Does anyone's translation use the word obey? Obey. The Greek word for obey is not there. Nate, I'm not changing, buddy. The Greek word for obey is not there. Ephesians 6.1 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Ephesians 6.5 says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. The wife is not to be treated as a child. The wife is not to be treated as a piece of property. The wife is not to be treated as a doormat. This submission doesn't mean anything that way. And as we see this and we recognize our responsibility to Christ, our view should not be, should not be strained in that way or, or blinded in that way. Submitting doesn't mean, wives, that you no longer have any say in what takes place in your home. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. I heard, heard it shared one time that the husband may be the head of the home, but the wife is the neck, and she controls which way the head turns. Uh, and as you think about that, as you think about this relationship between husband and wife, uh, it's important that we, we recognize that we're in this together, that this relationship, that we're in this together. That the husband is in his position uh, as a God-given position. Uh, the husband is given this position as leader. Uh, it's not a position of dictatorship. This, this idea of the wife uh, submitting to her husband uh, doesn't, is not a free pass for the husband to do as he wishes. Uh, his position is the position of a manager. Uh, Emerson, in that book, Love There, uh, Love and Respect, uh, 
his reminder is that husbands have 51% of the voting power, but wives have 49%. Uh, and that's important that we recognize that in our in our marriages, that that we are one flesh, that we're that we're going through this together. Uh, as as husband, we are to look out for the well being of our wives. As husbands, as as managers, we want to be good managers of our home. We want to take care of it and protect it, and and to see that it that it works and see that it operates as it needs to. I was visiting with a man one time, and we were sharing, we were speaking, and, and we started talking about the topic of marriage. Uh, I don't know why, but he was married, so it just came up. And I was talking to him, and I was challenging him about being the leader in his home. And, and I shared that, you know, as the, as the leader in your home, as the spiritual leader in your home, you, 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 you're the one who's responsible for the direction that your, that your home goes into. And I was challenging him in that area. And he's probably gone for 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 tops, because that's how long it takes him to drive home. And my phone rang. It was his wife. And she said, I don't think it's a good thing if I give him the checkbook. And I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? And she said that he came home and he said, the pastor says that I need to be the leader of my home, and I need to take care of the checkbook. Now, his wife is a numbers person, <laughs> does really good with numbers. As a manager of the home, we're looking out for what's best for the home. And if the wife is a numbers person, <laughs> it's kind of a given to let her be the numbers person at home as well. I remember one time my dad was assigned, my sister and I, to paint one of our bedrooms. And my sister was on the ladder, and I was painting near the floor. And my dad came in and he said, Son, I don't want to say that you're not smart, but it's pretty stupid. How smart is that for you, someone who's over six foot tall, to be painting close to the floor? And your sister, who's five foot nothing, standing on a ladder, reaching as high as she can, works smarter. That's what you got to think about. And sometimes as managers of our homes, we have to make sure that we do what's best for the home. We have to look that way and recognize in that position that we need to do what's best for the home. As we think about this idea of husbands and leadership, it's important, husbands, that we recognize, and wives as, for, as well for that matter, that conflict is not a sign of disrespect. Sometimes, sometimes, husbands, we can see conflict and we can see disagreement as disrespect. Wives, sometimes we can see disagreement as a fear of disrespect. And we need to realize that that's not going to happen. Remember the illustration of pink glasses and blue glasses. As a man, I'm going to see things through blue glasses. As a wife, you're going to see things, or as a woman, you're going to see things through pink glasses. That's just the way things work, blue and pink. That's how the world operates. And so we need to realize that. And I don't know about you guys, but in my home, my wife was raised 
by a different family. And so they have a different way of looking at things than what my family looked at things. And so not only are we dealing with blue glasses and pink glasses, but we're also dealing with two different ways of upbringing. And so sometimes the way we see the world is through these different lenses. And sometimes that's going to cause disagreement. And so husbands, we need to realize that when there's these disagreements, it's not a sign of disrespect. Wives, when we, don't, when we disagree, we feel like we need to share our disagreement. Uh, it's not a disrespect. I think it's important that we remember that we need to be careful, though, how we use words. I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes just our tone or the way we wrinkle our nose can change the word, even though we say the word. Sometimes what we do with our hands can change the meaning of the word, too. If I talk this way to you, is a lot better than me talking this way to you. I mean, even as you're just sitting here, that's offensive to you. You're, you're on the fight. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. And it says, soft answers turn, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We need to be careful. We need to be careful how we talk to one another. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says this, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. When we think about this conflict, it's important that communication is there. If, if we as husbands feel like there's disrespect there, we need to make sure that we voice that, not in a, in a loud voice, but in a conversational tone. Wives, if you feel unloved, we need to make sure that we voice that in a voice and not yelling that. Notice what it says here in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Your own husbands means, kind of carries this meaning of, in a private sense, not a public matter as in public property, but in a private sense. And this suggests the intimacy of the relationship there is between husband and wife. This is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. There is this intimacy in this relationship, and that needs to be recognized. The husband has no superiority over the wife, and, and there's no inferiority by the wife. We have to recognize that. They belong to each other. And I don't know if you recognize this or not, but doesn't this all just take us back to the original floor plan? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Whoever is leading, whoever is the leader, whoever is placing themselves under that leadership, doesn't change that you're one flesh. It doesn't change that husband and wife are coming together as one. That fact does not change. Whatever the, the job title is, whatever the responsibility that God gives to us within this marriage relationship, it doesn't change that we're one flesh. And as we view things of the world, that's how we have to view things of the world, as one flesh. 
whether we're in that leadership role or we're in the submission role. It doesn't matter. We need to recognize that we are one flesh, that we're in this together. Notice what it says as you continue in verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, wives, this doesn't mean that we have to call our husbands Lord. Maybe your husband deserves it, but that's not what this means. That's not the idea that's here at all. As we think about this, we recognize this order that God has established. Wives, we're to submit to our husbands as to the Lord, because this is the way that God has designed marriage to work. And as we submit to our husbands, we are submitting to the design that God has given to us. Uh, And as we do that, we are seeking to fulfill that design. We are taking care of that design. And that should be our motive. I'm doing this for the Lord. It is for Him. This is Colossians 3.18. Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, you're to submit yourselves to the Lord first and foremost. He is the one that you serve. He is the one that you're following. We must remember that. Without being spirit-controlled, submitting to Christ, it's impossible to submit to your husband. It's impossible. We can't do that in the flesh. Without submitting to your husband, we can't submit to God. As we think about marriage, as we think about both of these supporting walls, these load-bearing walls, it is important that we remember that all of this is for the glory of God. All of it is for the glory of God. As we think about the institution of marriage, as we think about our own marriages, we need to think about it as something that's to be done, not for my glory, but for the glory of God. This marriage is to be done so that God is glorified, that God is exalted. Not for my own desires, not for myself, but for God. So there you have it. The idea and the thought of respect and the reminder about the responsibility. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our lives? I think the first thing that we need to remember as we think about this is that first load-bearing wall. Husbands love your wives. And I think there's a, there's a tag that needs to go along with this. Wives, make it easier for your husband to love you. Husbands, wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, we need to make it easier for them to respect us. There's a, there's a work, there's a responsibility here as husband and his wife. And it's a two-way street. And we've got to recognize that. And we've got to work within that means. And when we make this commitment to forever, till death do us part, we have to be mindful of my role in that. To make it easier for my spouse to make it until death do us part or until she kills me, one or the other. I need to make that easier on her 
Okay? Uh, and wives, we need to make it easier on our husbands as well. Because it is a two-way street. You, you've heard the old saying, it takes two to tango. But it takes three for a marriage to work. Husband, wife, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Without those three, it won't work. We need all three of those. One last thing. Communication. 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 If those two walls are going to continue to stand strong, it needs to be communication. Oftentimes, communication, when that breaks down, pretty soon those walls begin to erode. So communication is essential as we think about this and as we think about these two load-bearing walls.